Hello, and welcome to the Logistics Management Podcast Series. My name is Jeff Berman. I'm Group News Editor for Logistics Management Magazine and also the Peerless Media Supply Chain Group. Today, it's a real pleasure to welcome an old friend of logistics management to our podcast, Kevin Fletcher. Kevin is Vice President of Transportation at Kunin Nagel. Joining one of the world's leading logistics providers in 2021 as Vice President of Transportation, Kevin is responsible for Kuninagel's distribution transportation sector of contract logistics in the United States. Kevin has extensive leadership experience and knowledge in transportation, logistics, and other facets of supply chain management gained through roles in the 3PL, carrier, TMS, and shipper communities. His 3PL experience spans fully outsourced transportation management, freight brokerage, air and ocean freight forwarding, as well as warehousing and distribution. On the carrier side, Kevin's prior experience includes direct responsibility for area operations and sales with service providers in the truckload, less than truckload, air cargo, and parcel modes. He has also developed and led high-performing teams of more than 250 associates, and he has also been responsible for a P&L that included 3PL transportation management and operations and procurement for a freight spend in excess of $1 billion. A graduate of Auburn University, Kevin has spoken at various industry events and also contributed to several media publications as well. Hey, Kevin, welcome to our podcast. Good morning, Jeff. Good good to speak to you again. Absolutely. We're we're thrilled to have you. Um, Kevin, why don't we start with just sort of a brief overview of Kuninagel, a case for those in the audience that may not be familiar uh, with you guys in terms of, you know, on a high on the top level uh what you guys do, the services you provide, the verticals you serve, just an, a quick overview on things like that. Okay. Uh, yeah. Uh, Kuninagel is actually actually 130 years old. We got our start in 1890 as a uh, freight forwarding company uh, based in Bremen, Germany at that time. Uh, today, Kuninagel is headquartered in Switzerland. Uh, we have over 400,000 customers, 78,000 employees. 1,300 sites in over 100 countries. Uh, as you mentioned, we are one of the world's leading logistics provider. We operate in sea logistics, air logistics, road logistics, and contract logistics, but we do have a clear focus on integrated logistics solution. Uh, in fact, within the last year, we became the world's largest sea and air freight forwarder by volumes managed. One thing I am very proud of, Jeff, and I'm not sure if you had seen it, yesterday we had a press release uh, marking for the second consecutive year, we were recognized by Gartner's Magic Quadrant uh, as a worldwide leader for third-party logistics. We had improved our already strong position as the most visionary leader among the 13 international providers that were assessed. Some of the high points that they noted about the company was, you know, we've got a highly developed vertical and industry strategy uh, offering different differentiated services to uh over 13 industry segments, our overall viability and market market understanding. So we're very proud of that. And, you know, this is definitely some timely news to coincide here with your uh, podcast. No, absolutely. That's a tremendous honor. So congratulations on that. Thank you. Um, yeah, yeah, absolutely. Um, so, Kevin, when we look at sort of the state of the global logistics sector, obviously things are 
more, I don't want to use, I guess, haphazard or all over the place. And they obviously ever have been in, in many respects, uh, really going back to the onset of the pandemic uh, more than two years ago. Um, so in terms of the state of the global logistics sector, what are sort of some of the biggest things you're hearing or trends and themes from your uh, from your customer base? Uh, their biggest issues, their biggest challenges, what, what's sort of happening there? Well, I guess, you know, the thing about it is since, since the pandemic, logistics had never attracted as much of the world's attention as it has in, in, in recent months and through the pandemic. Uh, it was actually exacerbated um, last year when that uh, container ship got stuck in the uh, Suez Canal, and it basically demonstrated the ro role that international trade plays in the global economy because complete gridlock for anything that was supposed to pass through that uh that trade lane. Yeah, um, absolutely. Our, our customers, you know, are dealing with, you know, record high demand for goods that they've never even never, ever seen before. And what has resulted in is bottlenecks really at every step of the way in a global transportation network, um, whether whether it be, you know, trying to get, you know, in some cases, uh, availability on, on, on ships at times, there, there's issues that that they were challenged with as far as uh, uh, getting containers made available, the drayage piece. So th there's a lot of challenges that, that our customers are dealing with day in, day out. And, and, you know, one of the things that we certainly strive for is, you know, to provide them the most flexible solution that also, you know, best meets their needs. Um, you know, I, I guess another, you know, situation, um, uh, that's a result of, of factors, including the pandemic, is the shift in the consumer behavior. Yes. You know, they're ordering more and more product online that, you know, in the past was, you know, going to a brick and mortar store. So that's kind of made, made a significant shift there. And the other thing is the, uh, uh, the challenge is dealing with lack of staffing. You know, we, we hear all about, uh, you know, certainly here in the United States about jobs added, people going back to work, et cetera, et cetera. But, you know, you, you take a look at a lot of the frontline service providers and, you know, whether it's people to operate within a warehouse or, you know, ongoing or, or actually worse, worsened uh, truck driver shortage. Th these are all things that have uh, uh, taken a very, very, uh, very broad um, very broad uh, light in, in today's environment. So, uh, yeah. And certainly, you know, we, we've talked about other things, you know, dealing with uh, port infrastructure that, you know, given given all the pent up demand that uh, had occurred, uh, if anything, this is just uh, worse than what was already a, uh, a precarious situation in, in the ports. Yeah, no, no question about it. And uh, I'm sure we uh, will be. We'll be seeing a bit more action at the ports uh, as things move on uh, with, with China reopening here. We could talk about that more in a bit. Um, so, Kevin, when we look at sort of the key drivers or factors influencing things along the lines of sort of the intersection, I guess, of the current state of capacity and pricing slash rates, what are you seeing there? I mean, you guys have so much visibility. You have such a big customer base. Uh, it's probably what I'm imagining is a pretty unique perspective. So how would you sort of explain uh, sort of the capacity uh, slash uh, pricing and rates uh, dynamic at the moment? Well, I, I guess from, from that perspective, there are pressure points coming from all directions right now as far as uh, 
capacity and, and pricing. Certainly, you have the overall impact of inflation that we're feeling, and that you know that that's across the board, anywhere from you know supply all the way through the pressure to the uh, the end consumer. Mm-hmm. Um, you've got the situation with fuel right now. We're we're charting in you know unprecedented times as it relates to uh, to fuel. That certainly has to be passed along and, you know, is, is being felt in, you know, in transport rates. Uh, another point that I made earlier is labor availability. In, in fact, I was watching a, uh, a news coverage the other day and they were warning people as far as uh, upcoming summer travel that uh, the airline industry um, had kind of downsized, if you will, during the pandemic due to the uh, lack of travel. They, you know, parked aircraft, they had mm-hmm. you know, pilots that took early retirement packages, things of that nature. Then all of a sudden the, uh, the doors open back up again. And now you're also going to throw, you know, the surge with summer travel and, you know, they're warning people to be very cautious as far as, uh, not only the availability of flights, but the expectation that you're going to pay, pay much higher rates yeah. uh, to get on that vacation. Yeah. And along that goes, you know, wage rates in itself. And when, you know, dealing with the labor availability, in a lot of cases, you know, certain markets, you are uh, in a bidding war to uh, to find, you know, labor, whether it's, you know, loading and unloading trucks or load planners, things of that nature. So that's, you know, certainly uh, been a surge. Yeah, absolutely. And um, I know we just touched upon inflation in a bit. We can talk about it a bit more now. I mean, it's still high. I think the last U.S. reading was uh, uh, 8.3% for uh, the month of April. I'm sure Mays will be coming out soon. Um, and uh, obviously, a bit of this, more than a bit of this has to do with the labor impact. You have to pay people more. Um, you know, the with inflation still high, you know, how do you, how do you view its cumulative or collective impact on the global logistics uh, slash 3PL sector? Well, as I kind of touched on uh, earlier, that I mean, the cost pressure is is spanning the entire supply chain. With with the consumers ultimately, you know, feeling that pinch when they go to the store. Um, I, I think from a three PL perspective, there there is an increased need for providers that are focused on delivering not only innovative solutions but integrated solutions. So you know, by by having an integrated warehousing and transport management type solution or Mm -hmm. a forwarder that is involved not only with your forwarding, but your customs brokerage, you know, basically, you know, from point A to point B. Um, On our end, you know, here at Kunanago, we we are very focused on leveraging not only the expertise that we have, you know, we've got some very strong people throughout the organization, but also leveraging technology uh, to ultimately create greater value and improve the market position of our customers. Cause that that's really what, what it's all about is how can we make our customers more, more competitive? Um, now more than ever, I think one of the things we do hear uh, from the customers and, you know, it, it's been a common theme in the past, but I think it's actually uh, been heightened here lately is that customers want to partner with three PLs that are more thought leaders and not three PLs that they basically have to drag along for the journey. Sure. So, you know, I, th- I think in some cases that's been a, a common theme in, in some past surveys that have been done. But that concern or need from from a customer is loud and clear right now. They, they need yeah. somebody that, that is going to take the lead 
and uh, uh, drive the value versus the three P or the the customer having to push them or prod them to uh, to make gains. Yeah, no, absolutely. Um, you know, with the calendar telling us it's early June, Kevin. Uh, obviously, everyone's gearing up for uh, this year's peak season. And with that as a backdrop, I guess it's kind of a two-parter, a two-part question that is sort of curious about how Cunanago is gearing up for things and working with shippers to prepare for it. And also, as I had mentioned before, with China doing their slow reopening, there's going to be a whole lot more vessels coming over into U.S. ports. Uh, You know, we've kind of been working through this port congestion issue, but there's a lot of... uh, talk out there that we could be right back where we were and plus the timing is going to be pretty interesting too as everyone's getting ready um you know for the fall for 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 peak uh holiday peak that is so how do you sort of see things there well i I guess in years past we had what what i would call the traditional peak season but you know post-covid that uh it kind of gone by the wayside and 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 what what we're seeing is just due to the bottlenecks that had occurred, lack you know, inavailability of of product on the shelf, et cetera, is that that the customers are anticipating the needs earlier or positioning the inventory earlier than they would, just knowing that there could be you know four, six, eight weeks, you know, potentially that that lag just due to the. Uh, uh, the surge in additional imports coming here into the U.S. But, you know, the COVID and its downstream effects have had, had major effects on the supply chains. You know, ultimately, we've had to become, you know, more f- flexible, be more innovative and make adjustments to the strategies. I, I think from, you know, K&N working with, uh, with customers, we've had to get much closer um, as it relates to collaborating with our customers. And when I say our customers, you know, it, it's end to end. You know, the customer may be the the middle piece, but we're dealing with the uh, with their suppliers. We're dealing with their end customers, so it's more of a uh, uh, a full scope type of collaboration. And you know, to t- to the point, we don't own any aircraft or vessels, so you mm-hmm. know, we're more, you know we're we're able to more effectively collaborate with shippers and carriers as, as really as an intermediary. And it really puts us in a uh, position to offer our customers um, what I think are, are some of the best and optimal logistics solution, even during times of, times of uncertainty. And whether that uncertainty is, you know, the things we dealt with with COVID or or the you know upcoming peak season. So um, other areas, you know, we we work with is, you know, the analysis and 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 working with historical data, yeah. utilizing market intelligence we can gain. And we're also, you know, big into uh, the business intelligence tools and utilizing predictive analytics to, uh, uh, to further drive efficiencies. Okay, great. And I know you just touched on a bit of it before, but uh, we look at sort of how things have changed and uh, something I've been asking uh, three PLs like yourself and, uh, and uh, carriers for that matter as well are sort of been curious about some of the biggest logistics lessons learned that uh, you've seen related to COVID. I mean, uh, we're definitely feeling a bit more uh, normal than, than uh, even a year ago uh, for sure. But um, 
it seems like some of these things will probably stay with us for quite some time uh, in terms of how business is done and, and how certain uh, in the types of services that you guys, companies like you guys provide. So uh, how do you, what would you say about some of the, like, you know, on a top level, some of these lessons learned out of COVID? Sure. And, and I think right out the, right out the gate, one of the biggest lessons is, is how important logistics industry is to the global economy. I mean, basically yeah, absolutely. that, that put it forefront, you know, it, it, as far as uh, importance and being on everyone's radar screen. Um, prior to COVID, you know, Kuninago had, had a focus, a strategic focus on our, you know, three major areas, customer systems and staff. And, and really it paid off during the pandemic and enabled us to further accelerate the implementation of the strategy. So we are kind of like ahead of the curve as far as that goes, and we're able to avoid, you know, some potential pitfalls. Uh, we made a decision early um, to further develop and expand uh, some of our offering, offerings in uh, growth areas like healthcare and e-commerce. So we utilized, you know, the situations that arose early from, you know, uh, a global, you know, pandemic and then utilized it to, uh, basically further develop uh, those areas of our service offerings. Uh, another thing that we did was uh, last year we had acquired a Chinese air freight provider called Apex Logistics. Mm -hmm. and, and that to us was a successful investment, basically growing uh, the service market. Uh, one, one thing I do want to point out, though, uh, I was thoroughly impressed with the tireless efforts of our employees to deliver quality services under extreme circumstances. Mm -hmm. You know, the folks that are wor were working in the warehouses or having to make deliveries or, you know, booking freight, they didn't have the luxury in a lot of cases of, you know, going remote. You know, they had to show up for work every day with their mask and, and, and really, you know, did the job in, in servicing our customers. You know, what it did is it showed our ability to adapt and proactively respond. Um Another area I think of, of the lessons learned is uh, not necessarily lessons learned, but it, but it really uh, uh, an increased focus on uh, digitization uh, uh, of processes, whether it be leveraging data for use in business intelligence and uh, artificial intelligence and then tying it together with our logistics expertise. Okay, great, great. And just a couple more quick ones, Kevin, before we wrap up. Uh, you know, it's it's hard to ignore the ongoing cur current uh, current run of high fuel uh, slash energy prices. And we see these record diesel uh, national averages every week from the Energy Information Administration. I mean, it's 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 a stubborn, stubbornly pesky issue, I guess, um, to say the least. Um, I obviously, no, on the asset base side, there's fuel pass throughs, uh, things like that. It, but at the end of the day, it really does impact the, the the cost of doing business in many cases. And I'm just wondering, uh, you know, if you could perhaps comment on the sort of the main shipper concerns relating to this current situation when it comes to fuel and oil prices. Well, I think the biggest question the uh, the community has right now is when is it going to end? Yeah. <laughs> I mean, I, I took a look this week here in the uh, in the U.S. The national average diesel is was $5 and 54 cents a gallon this yes. week. Uh, that's up 70% or almost $2 and 30 cents over the prior year. Mm -hmm. So that, I mean, that in itself, 
um, is alarming. But but then I take take it a year back from that, uh, it's actually up 132 percent. Two years ago, we the average price of diesel was was two dollars and thirty nine cents, and here we are five fifty four. The what uh, what the customers are, are, are certainly the common theme out there is in addition to you know when's this going to end how much can they absorb and negatively impact their financial positions versus, all right, how much can we pass along to the consumer? So um, for a lot, a lot, of, a lot of companies right now, it, it's a balancing act. Uh, others, you know, have, have got no choice, but they need to, you know, recover all that additional cost and passing off directly to the consumer. I think as I, as I talked to uh, some shippers, they're taking a look at, you know, how are they, best utilizing assets, whether it be, you know, they may have their own private fleet of trucks or utilizing four higher carriers. How are they um, gaining the best or most efficient use out of those assets? Mm -hmm. Others are thinking about, you know, bigger picture, you know, such as their supply chain networks. You know, we talk about, you know, sourcing, manufacturing locations, distribution locations, et cetera. So you've got some that are, you know, taking a look and possibly re-engineering, you know, some of the, you know, easies or, you know, folks taking a look at, you know, what's the cost benefit as it relates to uh, moving to alternative fuels, you know, within their, you know, equipment they may operate. Is is CNG, LNG or electric vehicles something that uh, um, they can use to to potentially avert uh, future issues as it relates to uh, dependency on, 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 on fossil fuels. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, in Agua, I mean, we're very focused on, on making the supply chain more sustainable. You know, we help customers um, by cutting CO2 emissions and ultimately trying to act as a uh, responsible logistics partner by, you know, contributing more to, you know, the future and sustainability of the planet. So that's kind of our focus there. And, and certainly the, the um, what we have with, with energy and fuel, yeah, uh, drives a lot of uh, a lot of improvements that we make. Okay, great. And just to wrap up, Kevin, uh, you know, given all the challenges that we saw over the course of the pandemic, you know, with the port congestion, longer transit times, um, labor, uh, there was a lot of there's the sort of the conversation regarding near nearshoring or globalization, if you will, has sort of been renewed and gotten a bit of extra attention and focus these days. I think the China shutdown uh, probably brought that back to light for a lot of people. Um, you know, what? how do you view sort of this this theme of potential uh, increases in uh, nearshoring and globalization? I mean, there are some signs of it you see in, uh, in South America, Latin America, Mexico, uh, Intel just spent a lot of money on a new facility outside of Columbus, Ohio to produce semiconductors and chips there. Um, so, I mean, do you think it has legs or is it a bunch of one-offs? Uh, it's not, it's not really uh, an easy thing to do to, to set up manufacturing operations closer to home compared to it in theory, right? You're hundred percent right, Jeff. And, and to be honest, for, for a lot of people, it's not necessarily, all right, I'm going to, turn 180 degrees and move to a, uh, a nearshoring strategy. I think more folks are looking for what is the most, what strategy provides the most flexibility. 
So do I put all my eggs into a nearshoring basket and deal with, you know, potential distractions or interruptions that could, could affect there? Or do I continue to have a certain percentage of my business or, or sourcing tied up in, in various parts of Asia or other parts of the world? Or do I find something that's sort of in between? I'm going to try to try to balance um, what I'm doing nearshore versus what I'm doing in a far offshore. Um, I think it I think it varies by, by by country and and you know or by company and 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 really what what the product is. But you know I, I'm seeing people that are um, folks that have you know uh, done more to to nearshore, and I've had mm-hmm. had others that. Uh, you know, or staying put. So, yeah, no, it's, it, it's definitely going to be interesting to follow as things move along here. Um, all right, Kevin, but that brings us to the end of uh, our allotted time for today's podcast. So uh, on behalf of logistics management magazine and the peerless media supply chain group, I'd like to offer up a big thank you for joining us today. Thank you, Jeff. I appreciate the opportunity always to, uh, to speak with yourself and, uh, and the folks at logistics management. Yeah, I know. Great. Thank you. And uh, for those of you uh, out on Twitter, uh, please go ahead and give Kuni Noggle a follow. It's uh, at Kuhn, and that's K-U-E-H-N-E underscore Noggle, N-A-G-E-L. And uh, also check them out on their website. It's just Kuhn-Noggle.com. And if uh, you're interested in uh connecting with Kevin. Uh, he is on LinkedIn. So just give a search over on LinkedIn for his profile. And uh, also please go ahead and feel free to give us at Logistics Management a follow simply at Logistics MGMT. Uh, and also uh, please go ahead and sign up for our podcast uh, wherever you get your podcast. Just go ahead and look for Supply Chain 24-7 Podcast. Thanks everybody. Have a great day and we'll see you next time.